We're working on gratitude this entire week. We're using this kind of whimsical and, and yet at the same time scientific book called Thanks by Robert Emmons. And you know, we've covered some of the, I think, kind of the sweet parts already. And I've saved maybe some controversy for last. So far, we've talked about gratitude as being something that is both healthful as well as upping your joy factor, that, that power of being able to create more joy and, and, and more peace in your life, that something as simple as writing down five things for which you're grateful for every day can actually improve your health and make you happier. So what happens if it doesn't quite work out that way? What happens if you find yourself in situations or, or places where gratitude seems, if anything, to not come at all or to come with some difficulty? And so we're going to talk about that today. And to kick that off, I even, I think, found a joke that's fairly on target. All right. It's, it's titled, The Ungrateful Son-in-Law. A successful businessman had a meeting with his new son-in-law. I love my daughter, and now I welcome you into the family. To show how much we care for you, I'm making you a 50-50 partner in my business. All you have to do is go to the factory and learn the operations. The son-in-law interrupted, but I hate factories and I can't stand the noise. Um, uh, well, okay, I, I see, replied the father-in-law. Well, then, uh, then you can work in the office and take charge of some of the operations. Oh, no, I hate office work, said the son-in-law. I can't stand being stuck behind a desk all day. No way. Um, well, wait a minute, said the father-in-law. I just made you a half-owner in a multi-million dollar organization, but you don't like factories and you won't work in the office. Exactly what am I going to do with you? Well, that's easy, said the young man. Just buy me out. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I thought, I thought I might hit at the heart of ingratitude here. Yeah, uh-huh. So, um, so the authors of this book uh, came up really with about half a dozen reasons why sometimes gratitude is a little tricky, a little hard. And I wanted to share, I think, some of the more universal, with, uh, universal ones with you today. And the first one is exactly what was expressed in that joke. So, so the problem is many of us tend to find fault with the gifts that are too extended to us. Now that was a, a kind of a... a, a a wild example. But I even remember myself as a child when I was 10. Have you all been there? When you're madly opening a Christmas present and, you know, from Aunt Susan, or in my case, it was, it was my mom's mother, my grandmother, and I pull it out, and about all I, I mean, even as a child, I had some diplomacy. I think what I said was, oh my, who would have thought a sweater could come in this color? <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> so I do recognize that there are times when the best intended of a gift is likely to produce something in you less than gratitude, right? We've all been on the receiving end of one of those sort of white elephant gifts. But you know what I have recognized now that I'm not 10 anymore is the intention behind the gift was so sweet and so pure. In fact, a couple, uh, a couple winters after that, uh, it was another sweater, and this one she had even made. And I'm not sure what child she was thinking of, but the child she made the sweater for had like four foot long arms and was much skinnier than I was. But what I recognize today, you know, these gifts are from the heart. And there is gratitude to be found. Maybe not in the yarn, 
But gratitude in the person, gratitude in my case, in my loving and beautiful grandmother and the time that she spent into it. So if you find yourself on the receiving end of something that you find fault with, try to look beyond that. Try to find the good in it. Try to find the intentionality around the gift. Um, I think we also know people that, for whatever reason, will just always find something wrong with anything. Do you, have you met people like that? It can be a sunny day, and they'll say, oh my gosh, it's so hot. And then two days later, it'll be raining, and they'll say, why can't we get any more sunshine around here? And, and I think there are some people that just like to see the world half with the, the cup or the glass half empty. And that's no big thing, but... If we do that to the extent with which gratitude has left our lives, then I think this is a problem. Then I think we need to get right back to basics and do whatever we can to recognize the beauty behind whatever the gift is. If the gift is a rainy day, there is still beauty to be held. If the gift is, uh, is uh, lightning and storm and thunder, uh, I mean, this is a light show, Right? So find in all of life's gifts, if you can, that place where gratitude can well up. The second thing that the book mentioned, and, and I'm going to read this one to see if, uh, see if the guys in the audience catch on to this one. This is something that they fairly patentedly said was a male, um, a male predominant trait. So let's see if the guys in here resonate with this. Um, or may, maybe we'll have uh, one of our male bonding episodes after this. We'll see. In the 1980s, the late so social psychologist Shula Summers studied attitudes towards gratitude and other emotions in American, German, and Israeli societies. She asked the subjects of a number of questions concerning their emotional lives, gauging what emotions they most like to experience and which they most dread having, which they prefer to keep in, and which ones they would prefer to toss out. Americans in general ranked gratitude comparatively low in desirability and constructiveness, and the American man, in particular, tended to view the experience of gratitude as unpleasant. Some, in fact, found gratitude to be a humiliating emotion. Now, I want to throw this out. Of course, this, uh, this was done in the 80s, in the 1980s, and, and the, the group probably would have been of, of um, you know, uh, medium-aged fellows at that time. And I want you to think back about what those, those people perhaps had as experiences in their lives, right? A lot of them coming home from the army, a lot of them setting up their world to capture that what? That American dream, remember? And what was the American dream? It's funny, we should be living it right now, right? <laughs> but the American dream was, if you work hard, if you put your nose to the grindstone, you can provide for your family, you can do it all yourself. You can have the house, you can have the car, you can have the family, you can do it all yourself just by applying yourself. Now can you imagine then why this group of men in particular might have found it difficult to accept things from other people, right? It's the whole idea of acknowledging dependency, all right? 
So, so are you with me? Are the guys in the audience? Well, of course, we're guys, right? So we probably aren't going to be too angry or too sad about this because one of the things we're taught as young boys, you know, emotions are dangerous things. We'll keep them to ourselves until the going gets rough. But, uh, but I actually did kind of resonate with this. As a child, I remember uh, it being very important that men in particular knew how to do things for themselves, that taking a handout, and, and what I think was interesting is often some of life's most gracious gifts as a young boy was presented to me as taking a handout, something that we should be able to do for ourselves. So this is actually a big one. And I would like to, first of all, just throw out the idea that this is gender specific because I think men and women both can get to a place where we're feeling pretty self-sufficient. And it might be easy, therefore, to not acknowledge someone giving us a gracious gift. And that's the point of this one. The problem is acknowledging the gift means acknowledging in our minds, perhaps, dependency. Okay, I want to throw that out. I want to say a part of that is hogwash because deep, true dependency or true independency doesn't really exist. No one is truly and completely dependent on anyone else, and no one is truly independent either. What we are is interdependent. Some days I might be the giver, some days I might be the receiver. And in fact, if you think about the divine law of giving and receiving, it absolutely says you have to have both. What if all of us had realized this American dream and every single one of us did everything for ourselves? How would we be able to give any of our joy and love and our excess away to other people? There'd be no receivers. Do you see what I mean? So really the idea of gracious giving depends on gracious receiving as well. And it's interdependence. So we don't have to feel that stigmatism, if you will, of feeling dependent or, or somehow that prideful emotion of feeling, uh, in, uh, uh, of feeling totally independent. Instead, what we know is life is a mixture of both. Life is giving sometimes and receiving sometimes. Life is sometimes complete dependency. Sometimes life is, uh, is independent. It's just part of it all. And we can enjoy the receiving too. We can be grateful for the things that come into our, our lives. All right, the next uh, problem with the gratitude in the book simply says that if you are in that position of feeling yourself a victim you will probably be unable to also show gratitude. Now, this is an interesting one. You might think that someone who is kind of at the, sort of at the bottom in that place of feeling truly the victim, whether it be circumstances, whether it be um, victimized by people or your situation or your economic situation or things that happened to you in childhood, you might think that those people have the most to look forward to, that those people have the most to be grateful for when things maybe turn around. The studies showed quite the reverse. The studies showed that people who consider themselves to be a victim of life seldom feel gratitude at all. And the reason for this, or, or, or the idea is anyway, that when we're in that place of true victimhood, 
we will simply ignore good things when they come with when they come to us. It will be like we're 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 wearing that Teflon suit, and the goodness might come at us, and it'll just go right by, and we won't even recognize it because we're still living in that place of what happened to us or or what our current situation is. And when we identify it with it too strongly, no amount of good coming our way will actually be recognized, and therefore you know, there's no gratitude to be felt. So the antidote, antidote for this one is pretty simple in terms of science of mind principles, and that is that in the spiritual sense, we are never victims. In the spiritual sense, our, um, our lives, as they're unfolding, we are co-creating 100% of the time with God. Now, I have to admit, there are times when I wish I was doing a little better job of it. Do you know what I mean? There are times when I think about, oh my God, look how powerful I was. What horrible mess this is. And so there are days when that co-creative power, that, that own ability to call into form exactly what we don't want to experience is really high. But nonetheless, if we can think of ourselves as being part of that co-creative power, then we're not in the place of victimhood. Then we can look at that mess that came our way and go, yeah, I had a share in that. Look how powerful I was. And what I know is that next time I'll make different choices. What I absolutely know about myself is I can learn from this experience and next time I will make different choices. The last thing um, in the book that we're going to cover today around an impediment to gratitude is simply the idea of taking things and people for granted. I want to illustrate this with a, with a story. When I, I lived in my old neighborhood, we were not too far from a, a public park, and it was one of those that had a, a sweet playground in it. And one morning when I was taking uh, Miss Sheba, my dog, for a walk, uh, we walked by this playground, and, and I thought to myself, I was observing this fellow with his daughter, and I thought, you know, this is really pretty sweet. Here's a guy in, in a suit and tie, obviously probably either on his way to the office or, or something, and he's taken time out of his busy day to really spend some sweet time with his daughter. She was about three years old, maybe four, um, on one of those, I don't even know what they're called, it's like a lazy Susan with children on it. <laughs> All right, you know what I mean. You can, you can, you can tell I don't have a, a lot of playground experience here. But, but she was having a fun time. She was having a delightful time. Mer oh, merry-go-round, okay. And so, uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, but what I noticed was, while she was kind of squealing and having fun, he was on his cell phone, all right? And I don't know if he was making appointments, you know, for later in the day or whatever, but he's on the cell phone. She's kind of squealing, having fun on the thing. And so she and I walk on and kind of do a couple more blocks and, you know, do what dogs and owners do when they're out for a walk. And on the way back, you know, same path back to the house, he was still on the phone. So at least by my calculations, he missed probably about 20 minutes of their little outing because the phone. And I thought to myself, you know, is it going to be when he's 50 that he realizes he missed a huge part of her growing up? Is it going to be when he's 40? Is it going to be when he's 60? What I know is that when we take the people and the places and things in our life that we truly treasure for granted, when we don't spend quality time with the people that we love, when we have an ability to simply look the other way, when something important and beautiful and sweet is happening right in front of us, 
we're missing the boat. And, 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 and of course, we're not grateful for it because we're missing it. It simply is not existing for us. Now, the antidote to this one, of course, is something that we've already talked about the last couple weeks. And, and I love the idea of writing down five things for which you're grateful for every day. And you know why? Now, sometimes some very specific things will happen during your day that will just pop up and you'll go, well, of course, I'm grateful for, you know, getting the promotion or of course, I'm grateful for whatever. But there will be some days when nothing in particular happened and then you're going to have to dig down into your gratitude for the things that are around you every single day of your life. And you'll recognize on those days, yes, I'm grateful for waking up to next to the person I love. Yes, I'm grateful for those children. Yes, I'm grateful for life itself and the food that we eat and the house that we live in. I'm grateful for my own warm bed and my pet and whatever else it is that you surround yourself with every single day. I'm grateful for the air I breathe. I'm grateful for the potluck that we're going to be having in a little bit. I'm grateful for life. And so it is in these perhaps rare moments when truly God's grace descends on us, when that ability to recognize that 24 hours a day and seven days a week, and yes, even when we're sleeping, Spirit is sending us its goodness. It takes the form of the loved ones. It takes the form of the air that we breathe and the food that we eat. It takes the form of the safety in our own homes and cars to drive and, and yes, the merry-go-round and yes, even the cell phones. We're grateful for it all. But perhaps more than the stuff or the people. Don't you agree? And so in every opportunity, let us be grateful for the people that we love. To close out my sermon today, I'd like to take the opportunity really to do just that. Um, you probably realize, um, or, or maybe not, that really everything we do here is volunteer-driven. I'm uh, Really, I and, and, and like part-time of two other people are the only paid positions here. Everything that you see on Sunday and beyond the classes that we teach and so on and so forth are all done by volunteers. And, and I want to take a moment, if you're willing, uh, to acknowledge those volunteers. I'd like to start out, first of all, with the people really in leadership here. And so if I call your name, would you please just stand and, and after a bit, once everyone's standing, we're going to do some applause. So first of all, I would like to thank our volunteer core council, the people who really run this place. Um, Star Shepherd Decker, Annette Bolster, Rosemary Teeter, Mike Waters, Nancy Ashley, Shannon Lee, LaRonda Steele, Pamela Sky Jean, uh, Sherry Smith and Carolyn West. If you're here, would you please stand? We have yes, and we have actual real gifts for you too. So thank you so much. I'd also like to thank the licensed practitioners, either the folks that go through many, many hours of school and training and testing uh, just to do what they do, and largely they're giving their time completely to us on Sundays and beyond. Nancy Ashley, Kate Barrett, Annette Bolster, Cheryl Clark, uh, Reverend uh, Sharon Lee Foley, of course, Al Kaufman, Bill Lawson, Arlene Mosier, Anthony Oliver, and again, Star Shepherd Decker. If you'd please rise so that we can uh, thank you as well. (laughs) 
And of course, one of the things that makes Sunday so special is the music, right? Absolutely. So I want to thank uh, Linda Rossi, our uh, music director in particular, but, but let's also um, have the choir and other people stand as well. LaRonda Steele, Suki McDonough, Sherry Smith, Star Shepherd Decker, Sherry Lynn, Sandra Clark, Titania De La Cruz, Rosemary Teeter, Sarah Stebbins, Marcy Beck, Cheryl Cooch, Laura Smith, Diva Gordon, Anita Marks, Peggy Sato, Kate Rhiannon, Kelly Alwyn, and of course on sound we have Barry Trotta and Adam Decker. And, uh, and of course, although we pay them for their professional services, um, a big round of applause also for our band. Ken Brewer, Jim Solberg, Don Schultz. Thank you guys. They, uh, they put in a lot of uh, gratis time as well for warm-ups for the choir and practices and whatnot, and we treasure them. Let's see, upstairs, the pitter-patter of lovely feet that you hear. Uh, Lexi Dillon is our youth director, and we also have helping her out Lisa Peterson, Carolyn West, Suki Madonna, Shannon Lee, and Charlene Lee. Any of those people in here? I'd like to thank our art director, Sherry Smith. And she and, and also in concert with Mike are, are on our, um, um, what, what did we call it? Marketing, Marketing team. <laughs> so thank you. You can see why, why we need to have professionals doing it, right? Uh, anyway, all of the, the visual aspects here at the center, um, we're grateful to those two people for it. Thank you. Um, the, the newsletter for which you just received a copy is mostly courtesy of June Gums. June, would you stand? And also, and also Sherry Smith does, uh, does some magic around things like pagination and placing pictures that I don't even know how it works, but thank you. <laughs> All right. In the bookstore, Sandra Clark does a wonderful job of keeping things in good order, but she also has many helpers, including Pamela Jean, Carol Matthews, Laura Bradley, Shannon Lee, Marcy Beck, Nancy Ryan, and Cindy Baxter. So let's give them a hand. The Heart to Heart team, the folks that do pastoral care here, uh, we have Darlene Castor, Lexi Dillon, Rosemary Teeter, Pamela Jean, and of course that's headed up by Reverend Sharon Lee Foley. And then those goodies that we tend to chow down on every single Sunday, uh, hospitality is led by Pat Lloyd, and she has a, a lovely group of people that keep us well-fed and, uh, and, and well-coffeed up, well-caffeinated, I guess. So Pat Lloyd, Darlene Castor, June Gums, Kat Usury, Jan Peters, Rosalie McCormick, LaRonda Steele, Pamela Jean, Nancy Ryan, Suki McDonough. For ushers and greeters, it's led by Annette Bolster. These are the people that greet you so warmly when you come in on Sunday. Make sure you have programs. If you, if you come in a little late, they'll even find a seat for you. So Annette Bolster leads that group, and helping her is Cheryl Cooch, Susan Perry, Nancy Ryan, Brad Paul, Pat Lloyd, Annette Saunders, Jim McMartin, 
Arlene Moser, and Nancy Astley. All right. Now we're down to some folks that you may not even know because you don't always see uh, what they've done. But first of all, we have a team of people that actually keep this place lovely and clean. And so the clean team is led by Annette Bolster, but it features the cleaning talents of Kathleen Anderson, Cindy Baxter, and of course Annette herself. And I don't even know, I don't even, you see, you, it's hard to acknowledge them. <laughs> they've done their job and they're not even here, but thank you. <laughs> Likewise, the folks that help out in the church office. Um, you know, a lot of this printed material just, I mean, it comes from God, but it passes through quite a few hands to get here in the form of programs and flyers and things like that. So I'd like to thank Shauna Deveray, Patricia Taylor, Annette Bolster, Laura Bradley, Nikki Miniker, and Rosalie McCormick for all of their help. And I just realized Jan Peters isn't on the list, but she should be. She helps with the uh, fold the programs and, and help with our printing our programs every Sunday, too. So um, let me see. Who's left on here? Oh, my gosh. All right. Building rental. Mike Waters is keeping us supplied with some cash for renting our building out. <laughs> And Suki McDonough, I don't know if Suki's here, but she's the one that puts together the Forward Flow um, uh, mission. She and, and Annette uh, take care of making sure that some of the articles that we're no longer using go out into the community and actually have a second life again. So uh, we have times in the, the year when we collect everything from cell phones to teddy bears, and we re redeploy them out in the world. So uh, Annette, thank you, and, and we'll thank Susie when, uh, Suki when we see her. All right, I think I've really got everyone. And this is one of those, in ministerial school, they tell you, don't ever do this because you're going to leave someone out. But, uh, but I just think it's too important. I'll take my chances. If, if anyone's name I have left off, uh, please just know for me how grateful we are that you're here and helping us put on this marvelous thing that we love every Sunday and, and a lot of Fridays and some Saturdays and, and workshops throughout the week. So thank you so much for being here. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence in this universe. It is the thing that I call life itself. And what I know about life is that it is irrepressibly good. If we have but the hearts and the eyes to receive it, it is ours. God's blessings are multiplied and infinite as they come towards us. It takes the form of love of the people we care about. It takes the form of joy and peace and um, safety, everything. If you can think of it and it is good, it is from God. And I take this to mean it personally in my own life. I know that my life is full of good things, and I take the time on a daily basis to be grateful for them. As it is true for me, I know it is true for each person in this room that uh, God's law of abundance is never diminished, that there is an infinite supply of good things, good people, good times, of love, of peace, and joy, ready and waiting for each person in this room. And I know that each person here with each passing day is a little more ready, a little more accepting, opening their arms and their hearts a little wider to receive God's bounty. I'm grateful for this. 
grateful for God as it shows up in the form of each person in this room. And I simply let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you very much. Thank you.